0: This content factory we call The Rich Eisen Show. This
1: is The Rich Eisen Show. And if you don't have a a sense of excitement about this, I don't know what
0: you're here for. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Ryan Leaf. Can't tell you enough
1: how much I love your show.
0: Live. Boom. Boom. From the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles, today's guests, NFL Network analytics expert Cynthia Freeland, Basketball Hall of Famer James Worthy, ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler, plus actor Kevin
2: Connolly. And now, sitting in for Rich, it's Ryan
0: Leaf.
3: Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I am Ryan Leaf, guest hosting for the second time this week. Wow, huge, huge, huge. Uh, for the man, Rich Eisen, who's uh, off skiing in the snow, I believe, right now. <laughs> um, as always, TJ Jefferson over here yeah. to my right. I love the way you go. Yeah, no, yeah. People, people commented on it. People I commented on I it. Yeah, yeah. He does go right to left. Yeah, you know, that's just how I quarterback, too, right? Okay. go right to left. That's how I did my reads. Right. Going through my progression. To Mike Del Tufo on the ones and twos. <laughs> What's happening, Ryan? And Mr. I- Chris Brockman uh, there at... Picking up the, the up, hot corner at third base, there for so us. So Ryan, what you say? Yeah, is You up. look
1: at your first read, your first, your most important receiver first, and then you. That's check. not always
3: the case. You're oh, just no, no, no. the first read. Gotcha. Okay. Well, right the out. most important could be the deep post by the third guy in the route, which could Bro, be Chris Brockman. It depends on what the play call is. Okay? Let's just say
1: we're running a slant.
3: Well, d- how many slants? Is <laughs> <Does> everybody <laughs> running slants, or no, just no, no, is it no, no, all gosh.
1: slants, or? I just want to be the first one to get the look. You're <laughs> looking at this all wrong. You're looking at this all wrong. You're the you're the lead in batter. He's cleanup. Uh, now, so, you're, now you're mixing metaphors. Yeah, Mike, we're mixing the here. Man. So I'm number three. I have no problem. I'm the heavy hitter. I get it. I'm kind of the biggest well, guy. Be,
3: well, am I one? I'm at lead leadoff? Is That's that right, what I am? you're So he's spattered too. So okay, I'm like, yeah, and I'll he's take clean up. Clean up. We're good. Mike, we're
2: good. I like it better
3: when you don't talk. Uh, well. so I'm Ricky <laughs> Henderson. I'm Ricky Henderson. I, yeah, I, Ricky Henderson. I can be I Ricky Henderson. shut my mouth. Sorry, you guys. Great show today. Wow. Ben Nygaard, our really good talent booker. What up, Ben? I put him on the bench. I said, hey, hey I got this, all right? <laughs> Take the day off. Take the day off. Go surfing. Do something, you know? <laughs> I know he's on the East Coast, I think, so that might not be possible. But from the NFL Network, uh, Cynthia Freeland, she's the data analysis and analytics like guru. Uh, she's awesome. She'll talk circles around us in terms of football. Uh, big game, James Worthy, yeah. Hall of Fame basketball player. This was a coup, right? So, you know, after the turn yesterday playing golf, Rolled up here, big game. James rolls up behind me in the cart. Says, "R.L., what's you doing?" I said, "Dude, can you come on the eyes and show tomorrow and talk this Lakers, this Lakers nonsense?" He's like, "For you, buddy, anything." He's also my muse. I'm sure he'll bring this up, but my best two rounds of golf have been with James this summer. Um, I mean, we're we gonna throw out some numbers. You can't just tease yeah, I mean, that. Yeah. I mean, you could tell us anything. Sixty-eight, seventy. The two. So, Ooh, okay. um, Tim Legler. From ESPN NBA analyst going to talk all things trade deadline. That all went through yesterday as well as, you know, after talking to James, I'm sure he'll have something to fill us in with the Lakers who got, you know, steamrolled last night by the Sixers. Four yeah, losses did. without LeBron now. And then my buddy, uh, Kevin Connolly, is going to join us uh, from entourage fame, but more more realistically from Rocky Five fame. That's the one that everybody's got to remember from his time from Rocky Wait, he's 5. he's in Rocky
2: 5? Oh, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. For
2: real? I think For he's
1: a bully, right? He's one of the kids that uh, Rocky interacts with during the
3: movie. And no, he's one of the kids that, like, like bullies Rocky Jr. Yeah, I'm saying he's what. there's, like, a group of kids, right. and he's one of the... And then he ends up becoming Rocky Jr.'s buddy at the end of the, that's the show. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think that's probably more. But he is now owner and proprietor of a podcast networking company called action park media uh they do an amazing podcast called the victory podcast it's doug ellen uh the creator of um entourage and kevin Dillon and uh and kev uh kevin Connolly produces that it's they had charlie sheen on this week it was i mean it's oh, wow it's a it's a neat show they have victory. a lot of fun doing it so um i'm excited today's show is is big um lot of feedback from Wednesday's show. Uh, here are a few of the highlights. Um, everybody asked, where the hell did Ryan Leaf go? Because 75 pounds of me disappeared. So everybody's asking <laughs> where that happened, right? So uh, uh, I had to explain to them that. Also, an interesting fact, and something I hope we get into later a little bit, is that people started saying this when I called games for ESPN the last few years. And it was that, this dude sounds just like Will Ferrell, <laughs> and I see I don't hear it now, and most people close to me don't hear it. But Mike, you turned your back today yes. when we got here, and had me just speak, and you said, "Yeah, I started getting." I, it is it is it the Ron Burgundy or is it just is it Will Ferrell? So yeah, I Mike, think, is it
2: a character or is it like
1: or is with, it Will? The Will the guy? It's Will.
3: It's just Will.
2: I kind of turned
1: around. Well, we there. have
3: some archival stuff we'll probably get to a little bit later and we can kind of make a comparison. We'll see. I've always said, Will, anytime I host the Rich Eisen Show, you are welcome to come sit in this chair and when we can do, you know, a blind taste test for the audience. (laughs) That would be. He is a Pac-12 guy, a USC guy, along with me. So, you know, we could have something in common. I have gone as Ron Burgundy multiple times at Halloween. So, (laughs) you know, I have a library full of rich mahogany (laughs) and many leather-bound books. Are you friends with Merlin Olsen? And I'm friends with Merlin Olsen. It's amazing. So I'm it, kind of a big deal. I'm kind of a big deal. You know, I'm, I'm just,
1: looking at you. People
3: know me. People know me. <laughs> you know, I want to I wanna be on you. I want to be, be, be on you. I want to be on you. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> Love so that yeah, So yeah, those, so those were a couple comments. Uh, oh, that- the other one was people were fascinated with the Heisman Trophy uh, oh. story I told about my dad. That was cool. And it got my dad and my uncle to watch the show on Peacock TV and then text me that night like, oh, and they just they flat out told me some more stories. The Mike- I was going to
2: say, was there anything that maybe they corrected you on what actually happened that night? Let's look uh, here. Did they fill in some holes that you might have missed? Like, what was the response from the, from your dad and your
3: uncle? Well, you know, it, it's they said Mike Rogier was at the forefront, was at the forefront, and then my dad, my dad said this one, he said all he really remembers is when Hopalong Cassidy got up and sang a different version of the Michigan fight song to the Michigan AD who was <laughs> there at the time. Hopalong Cassidy, you're kidding me? That's my dad's like that's my dad's hero. So the name's that my yeah, my dad brought up and he said he said it was fun to hear that story again that many years later. And then I was talking to my brother about it because you know, I said he my dad would have been 47 then and I'll be 45 next week. Or next month, and I'm going to be an old dad, guys. People are going to think I'm a grandpa, probably, when my kids graduate from high school, because i am I got a three year you. You two. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to be an old dad. We're going to be old dads.
2: Yeah, I'm 40, and I have a
3: one-year-old. Yeah, uh, I'm 45, and I have a three-and-a-half-year-old. So my dad was 47, and he had a 21-year-old, and he was at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And I'd be like, Pops, if, if MacGyver Leaf is... Rocking the Heisman Trophy Ceremony when I'm 60-something, I'm going to party like you did. <laughs> I am. I'm going to party like you did. That was, that was fun. Uh, my little brother Brady uh, got told to go home. He, he called me and told me a story about how he got told to go home earlier than he wanted to, but he was 13 at the time. So that, well, I mean, that, that makes, makes sense. sense.
2: Was he like cutting it up with Eli Manning? Is that, That's kind of what you said too. They were sitting next well, to each other. Well, they sat next
3: to each other. I don't know if they, I mean, they, Brady went down and, and has done the Manning Passing Academy in Louisiana when he was at Oregon. So I'm sure they've continued that relationship. Great. Uh and Peyton, in the relationship Peyton and I have, like I'm like I want to play in that golf tournament. You know, I'm going to play in one of those celebrity yeah, uh, golf absolutely. thing up against him. And well, you
2: talked trash yesterday, saying that you would mop the course. I didn't say
3: I'd mop so. the course with him. I said I'd, I'd I said I'd I'd beat him. I'm and I'm I'm st- sticking to that. Just trying to stir it up. Sticking Peyton. to that. <laughs> I also probably think we have a closer relationship than what really is. You know, like when I text him, I'll get, you know, I'll get a text back every every four or five texts. <laughs> okay. So that's it's that kind of relationship. That's, but lately it's been good. When he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, I texted him and said congratulations. Thanks, but thanks, pal. I wished him happy birthday after you told me it was the other day. Yeah, yeah. I got a thanks. Is he an emoji guy? There has been an emoji <laughs> from time to time. But mostly just a thanks. That's nice. Hey pal. Hey pal. Appreciate I like it. that. Appreciate it. You know, I like that. Uh Wednesday show with Jim Mersey. Wow. That was set up by Rich Eisen, of course, and that was a unbelievable conversation. Um, when it comes to Hunter S. Thompson and some of the questions I wanted to ask, like, you know, how close? And the one that he said, do you guys remember him saying this? Like somebody he trusted really closely in the NFL the night before the NFL draft said, you got to take that Leaf kid. Boy, boy, would they have made a mistake, huh? Maybe, I mean, I don't know. Hey, this is always, like people said, maybe you would have went there, it would have been different. I said, hey guys, I, said, I, I was still me, all right? Yeah. Uh, no matter where you go, there you are. Exactly, and my brother said the same thing on the phone last night. He's like, if I would have went somewhere, if I would not went here, or, or, um, Anna said yesterday, like if I would have went to USC instead of Georgetown to play volleyball, you know, maybe things would have been different because it would had different coaches, different experiences. And I was like, yeah, but I was, I was kind of the
2: the common denominator.
3: I was kind man. of the common denominator. If I would have led the league in interceptions like Peyton did his rookie year, I would have been a mess. You know, I was already a mess, but imagine being. Like have, having thrown the most interceptions ever in the in the league, you know that would have during that year that would have been that would have been heartbreaking for me. Yeah. I don't know how I would have handled that. Yeah,
2: Peyton threw twenty-eight his first season in Indy. And then,
3: I threw fifteen, but I only threw two touchdowns. That is not a very good ratio.
1: <laughs> Who'd you throw them to?
3: The touchdowns? Yeah. Do you remember Brian Still in Week One? Michael Ricks in Week six or seven against seattle Mm -hmm. so i only won four games people i was four and 17 as a starter not great but four more than most people have won in the nfl i'm gonna gonna, four more than me (laughs) um i beat doug flutie oh what was his name what was the what was the guy that that came in for Doug Flutie in the playoff game started? the oh, Rob, Brad Ch- Ro- Rob, Rob, Johnson. Johnson. Rob Johnson. So it was Doug Flutie and Rob Johnson in that first one against Buffalo. Week two at Tennessee beat Steve McNair. Right. Oh, that is future MVP. Future MVP of the league. That was that was uh, Eddie George. Uh, a few weeks later, the Philadelphia Eagles and Rodney Pete. Oh man, took down Rodney Speaking Pete. Speaking of USC, and then. Um, in year three, because year two was knocked out because of injury, in year three, Warren Moon and the Kansas City Chiefs came to town, and I put a whooping on the old man, the old Husky. Put a whooping on <laughs> Warren Moon. <laughs> yep. He was 48 at the time probably, I'm thinking. So, uh,
2: hold on a second. I'll, I'll tell you right now. Uh, it
3: was crazy. a good game. You know, threw a couple touchdowns. You know, I was feeling myself. Uh, Had a chance to beat Elway and Gus Farratt in Mile High Stadium in that year three, we were up I think thirty five to uh, I don't know. I had thrown three touchdowns and over three hundred yards, and uh, Gus Ferrat made a just a triumphant comeback to beat us in Mile High Stadium that day. That would have been he him. didn't headbutt the the wall then, and then. he may have, he may have that might, might have got them over the top. I don't know, but uh, it uh, it was a, it's always fun to be on the show um hey we're glad to have you back man yeah well you guys are i, wait, I get here early i'm like the i fir- i'm the first one here yeah, today i'm like I sitting in the to... parking lot <laughs> i'm like where's all my buddies i want to talk sports <laughs> this this year the pandemic has made me like five, you know five. you know crave you <laughs> <laughs> it's a longing i mean no one now. craves me
0: i crave I you Thanks i crave you Ryan. too
3: Thanks. um <laughs> so last time i guest hosted the show before the whole pandemic right uh i brought a friend uh, over to, to watch the show, yeah. uh, Sully. Sully. And yeah. as Sully does, he, I don't want to say gloms, but he he attaches himself. He's such a good person. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now all three of you yeah, are like, yeah. Our buddies with him. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. Like, you're like on your text threads, you're just hanging out and everything like that. Well, what Sully does for me every year, and it's so sweet, right? So every year I'll get an Amazon package in the mail now he is of course big time and he's flying off to Puerto Vallarta this morning Uh hi roller okay hi roller um but he sends me this package every year right around April 1st and I don't know if I've told this to the audience or you guys but April 1st 2012 is my sober date so we're a week from yesterday we'll and we don't count our chickens, you know. I know the next six days are gonna, you know. Yeah. You know, I gotta do the next right thing, and everything like that. But he sends me this, and it's the coolest thing. And I brought it today, and it's it's really cool. It's uh, my nine year sober chip.
2: That is awesome.
3: And what happens a lot of times when you when you get this thing, you observe it for the day, and then you put it in a drawer, you know, and it collects dust and everything like that. What I do with them is I put them in my golf bag and they become my it becomes my ball mark. And Chris has seen this. I've seen it, yeah. From when we played together. So it's a reminder, and I see it every single day, or every day I play golf. You know, probably, probably is every 18 times uh around, you know, when I mark my ball. And uh, you know, I'm thankful for him and for a ton of people. I did an interview with Jay Glazer a few years back and he made a point to me or a comment to me about Ryan, there are a lot of people here because of you. And it it's hard. I don't comprehend it that way because my answer simply back to him was, is I'm here these last nine years and I'm here because of a lot of people. All three of you in this room, Rich Eisen in particular, Don Bowie out there. Every opportunity I get to come back here and host this. I mean, there's a, there's a, Pep in my step. When I get here, when I leave, I like to be busy in my sobriety. And the pandemic has been incredibly difficult. A lot of isolation. Um, You have to live in a lot of gratitude. And I think I took 2021 as a year to kind of take some of that control back. Um, No matter what, we control what we do with our day. When we wake up, we can decide whether or not to be happy or not. We can just smile in the mirror. I had somebody uh, tweet me uh, yesterday about my time on the show, and said they really thought it was great. It was I was a natural? Smile more, and there's a point to that. Like, yeah. you know, when I smile, there's something about it. I look at myself in the screen here, and I think it. I think it carries a message to those who are watching. And and I've had a radio producer tell me too. Smile when you're telling things. People can hear it through the radio when your what your mood is if you smile when you're making commentary on the radio, so everybody listening on Westwood One uh, can tell I'm in a good mood as well, and I definitely am, so again you know, wonderful, wonderful show ahead of us, Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network data analysis and uh, you know, just guru analytics guru, James Worthy, LA Lakers uh, team analyst and future Hall of Famer, Tim Legler from ESPN and Kevin Connolly from Entourage Fame. You're listening to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm
0: Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL Draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time for JD Power 2023 award information. Visit jdpower.com/awards only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts people, or as you might know from their jingle, OOO O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road.
2: This is the Rich Eisen Show.
3: Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, I am Ryan Leaf, filling in for Rich today, TJ Jefferson, Michael Del Tufo, Chris Brockman, who you hanging Ooh, with who me, you making this thing maybe the easiest guest hosting gig there is. But uh, this woman who's up next makes uh, football analysis look very, very easy when it's not. The data side of everything... Uh, Her name is Cynthia Freeland. She is from the NFL Network, data and analytics expert for the NFL Network, as well as her own clubhouse numbers game, which I think is just dynamic. A lot of people check her out for that analysis. We like to welcome Cynthia this morning early on to talk a little NFL. Morning, Sin.
4: Good morning. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. How are you?
4: I'm doing great. Brockman, I haven't seen you or talked to you in so long. Hey, what's I happening? I love your cute baby. How you it's been? My favorite oh, to watch. Th- thank you. I'm good. Thank
3: you. Everybody loves Brockman's cute baby because it's kind of <laughs> like a... cute
4: baby on the planet.
3: It's a, a baby version of Brockman. That's why, you know? <laughs> That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. You know, no He's, hair. Got, more, he's got more hair than I've got. Yeah. I mean, come on. He's definitely yours. <laughs> so... um, We've watched kind of this off-season play out. Of course, the discussion has been around Wilson and Watson, where will they go? But really, uh, the true numbers uh, laid out with free agent quarterbacks that were kind of under the radar. How do you think free agency has played out in terms of the quarterback position so far this NFL off-season?
4: So first, I don't think we're done. I think we're going to see some – I think Deshaun Watson lands in a different spot. I think we might see some other things just totally come out of left field. Some, some interesting big names that I'm hearing are maybe on the move or at least potentially being explored being on the move that I hadn't heard about until just about two weeks ago. So I don't think we're done yet. But I do think that it's been fun to see. I like where Cam landed. I think it's a great fit for the Patriots. Brockman, I know. I, I, well, we can talk. And then <laughs> I, I really like where Ryan Fitzpatrick is. I think that's going to be interesting too. I think Washington's the team to beat in that division. And right now, I know that Dallas is like kind of, according to some people, listed as like, you know, the, the team that's going to win the division. But I think it's Dallas. I think it's uh, Washington's to lose.
3: You know, you, you referenced her there early on some big moves. I mean, could you kind of give us maybe a little bit of a hint of what, what you're hearing possibly? You
4: know, you saw a lot of people restructuring their contracts in order to accommodate the lowered salary cap. And that's interesting because you kind of need to do that for many teams because we all know, like, cap dynamics are, like, pretty much like this weird, like, black box of, you know, a lot of different things that no one understands. Like, what's harder to understand, how the NFL cap works or what an NFT is. So those two things are kind of on par for me right now. But ultimately, you know, you, you haven't seen some guys restructure that you thought would. You know, I just anywhere that a big-name guy that's not Patrick Mahomes or – you know anyone that's you know because he just did his deal last year, but anyone that's a big name that hasn't restructured, I'm just a little like, hmm, what, what are we what are we looking at here? That's that's kind of my that's my that's what I've been hearing at least.
3: What do you think about the Tyreek Hill uh, comments about how he he hey I signed a contract and and isn't willing during a salary cap strapped year to accommodate the Chiefs who who have really stood by him? Is that was that, was that interesting to hear happen, or are more players <laughs> apt to do that when these restructuring asks are made?
4: In all honesty, I think that shows a reflection of Tyreek's need to have representation that can help him understand how things work a little better because the cap will go up next season. So allowing some flexibility this season kind of gives you a better opportunity to, you know, you can restructure in a lot of different ways. You can reflect a greater increase next season, for example. But I I don't think, I think what you're seeing here is potentially one of the pitfalls of not having representation that, you know, I I, I don't know who his representation is, but I, I, you know, I think he's not necessarily with ones that have helped him the most. So I think that. You know, I think that he maybe be – this reflects a misunderstanding between uh, what the ask is and what the potential outcomes are.
3: We're talking to Cynthia Fre- Freeland from the NFL Network analytics expert. Numbers game on Clubhouse as the host there as well. Uh, you released your mock draft 1.0 a little while back. Uh, I wanted to kind of go through that with you because you did you took, took a view from it from a different angle, and that was what these teams needed in terms – of getting more wins the next season. And I had a I had an honest to God question for you uh, in the past and you enlightened me on, on why these things are. But I think our viewer would like to know too, why don't teams draft this way anyway? Because don't they want to win more games? What's the point? And your answer back was interesting. I think our viewers will 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 take a lot into that.
4: Sure. So we just we created a mock that was because a lot of people like so first of all, most people in Saturday like they have to do a mock based on they kind of call around. They, it's more what they're hearing. They're reporters. They're they're trying to get it right so that a fan base can be like, okay, we're really looking at so and so or not. But we took a different approach, like when it, when I'm talking to my editors and how the analytics mock would go, because you know at the end of the day, I don't want to have to call people for that because the analytics people are not they don't they don't make that decision. So a lot of times, what we did was figure out like, all right, a lot of times like, what would get you the wind in 2021. There's free agency out there. Remember, this, this draft, the Mock 1.0, came out prior to free agency starting. There's a, I'll update it next week and with once the free agents there are there. But a lot of times, people are in different – coaches and front office members are in different cycles of their potential contracts. Some have continuity like the Patriots, and so they can take a year like last year and rebuild. Other people, they don't have that luxury. They get maybe two seasons at the most to prove who they are. So they've got to take their risk with a quarterback or not, right? And then they have to take their risk with their pass rusher or not, and it's kind of dealing with the legacy contracts of what was left to them before, the mess they're in now. I mean, the Lions are going to be terrible, and they're not making great decisions left and right, but they have a little bit more rope, because it's not necessarily that they're asked to win in 2021. Though I would argue that you probably want to try to select for more wins than you think because it's very hard to build a culture and rebuild a culture of, like, keep losing, keep losing, keep losing. So at the end of the day, it's, it's trying to navigate where people are in their front office climate. And by the way, the other thing that thinks about any analytics draft, I would want to make a trade at almost every position <laughs> to get it, like – like super, like to match the value really well, like the stock market would with a price. But we said no; they would lose their mind trying to edit that if I if I traded out every position. So, so that's how it worked out.
3: We're talking to Cynthia Freeland, uh, from NFL Network analytics expert numbers game on Clubhouse host as well. Take a look at that. Um, the Russell Wilson talk. So I got a lot of backlash uh, on Wednesday because. Um, I didn't think he was going anywhere. We had a, a, an expert on telling me that there's a good possibility because of the friction still between him and Pete Carroll that that could be a possibility. Jeff Darlington from ESPN surprised me a little bit and said there's a good possibility that this, this move could still happen this offseason, if not, for sure next season. Now, I, I can understand a, a, a year from now, but you know the talk continues. Is it just a media concept, or are you hearing something and is that still a possibility for somebody like the Bears or some other team out there that could look to make a trade to get Russell Wilson this season?
4: I don't know about the Bears; they don't seem to have enough juice to be able to get a guy like Russell Wilson. But I do think anyone who's a big name who hasn't renegotiated their contract to help their team out, except for Patrick Mahomes because he signed that really team-friendly deal, uh, I don't think that I don't think that anything's safe or or finalized until until the kind of restructures come in i think if you're not restructuring you're not necessarily uh, safe yet you're not safe to think that's your quarterback yet am i speaking in double speak well enough
2: (laughs) my codified
4: language (laughs) it's not good i'm a math person not a not a like attempted reporter (laughs) i'm not trying to report anything but i do think that if you haven't restructured it is still a possibility
3: all right, so give us, uh, give us Bills fan, or uh, Bears fans out there some hope with Andy Dalton. How do you, how did you like that move from Dallas as a free agent to be QB one now in Chicago?
4: Certainly not sexy. And I, it, their Twitter account can say he's QB one, but I don't know if I believe it at all. I mean, we've seen their Twitter account say it before. Also, I think everyone, most people know, like, the people who run the social and, and teams, they're not, that, like, sitting with the GM. Like, I don't think Ryan Pace called up the Twitter person, like, hey, 23-year-old that runs our Twitter account, please post us. So, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I think we'll still see some things move around. I don't think the Bears are done yet by any stretch of the imagination, and I think they got to take a swing, because I don't think they have a lot of rope left there. I mean, Ryan Pace made some interesting trades. The Trubisky one didn't work out, obviously, and so I, I think they're on the chopping block. So I, I think when people are on the chopping block, they have to take bigger swings.
3: We're listening to Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network. Um, you gave Brock Shady here, um, Chris Brockman, a little little high five with the uh, Cam Newton signing. You liked that. Tell us why you liked that. I was, I was surprised by it. I thought he looked a sham of himself uh, or a shell of himself late in the year. Uh, to see him come back, uh, that surprised me a little bit. Why Why was that a good signing for you?
4: Well, first of all, it's the the return on investment. So, number one, before COVID hit, he was looking great. I mean, people were like, like there were. Com- I mean, look, Patriots fans can
2: be hilarious. And They were like,
4: he's going to be the MVP like after week two. Yeah, I <laughs>
2: wanted said, I wanted to give was... him a hundred million dollar contract yeah, after yeah. three weeks, after the Seahawks game for sure, right? For sure. Yeah.
4: <laughs> I loved that. That was so fun. I love a good overreaction. But he, so I don't think he's done yet. They also reinforced. Their O-line, sure, they lost Joe Tooney to the Chiefs, but, okay, they, they reinforced most of their O-line. They got two tight ends, one in line, one outside, and you can interchange those two. That's great. They're kind of reloading in a lot of different ways. They're setting it up for a more mobile and to take advantage of the m- mobility of Cam Newton. But also, they're leaving themselves open. They, his contract was peanut. It wasn't very big at all. So they're able to take what they've left over, got left over from that, and they can do a lot of different things. They have tons of flexibility, and that's really what you want to do. Your backup plan—it's just like everything else. Like if Cam Newton is your potential backup plan, like you could bring in, you could bring in one of these rookies and train said rookie. You could, there—you have so much flexibility. And by the way, you got so much better in free agency, just all around. So you're really like—it's just kind of nothing but upside. And by the way, I was looking on. The powers that be, because, you know, Rich and I like to talk about things like that. The powers that be. Where where are we getting these numbers? I don't know. But Rich and I love it. And it's Rich's show, so we got to say, like, it, right now, some people don't think the Patriots will make the playoff. And I say, what? I think you should go tell those people that that's not true. And you should tell them, you know, the same way we tell them on game day morning.
3: Well, that would be um, an interesting AFC East if the Patriots are back in the mix. This year, I just when they I are. when I saw the contract and at first when it was announced, like all headlines, you know, 14 million dollars, I was like, ah, eh, it's a lot of money for for a guy that that looked like he was really struggling down the stretch. But we'll see. They can make a lot of moves. What they do have to do. And, and I, I, I would expect you would agree with me is that this draft is incredibly important because of how they've missed the last few years in the April draft. uh, uh with players like Nikhil Harry and the two tight ends they drafted a year ago because they had to go out and get two tight ends free agency this year?
4: See, I would say that what they've done this year more than ever, there's so much uncertainty with the draft because you don't know what you're getting from these players. Right. You didn't have a regular season last year. Many of the what we believe are the consensus top players didn't even play last season. They opted out, So, and which may or may not be smart. We, we have no idea. There's no data to support that. But what the Patriots did was they signed, just like they normally do, they did spend more money than they usually do. But what the Patriots do so well is they take a player who we all perceive to be average or maybe a bit above average, but then in their system, they outperform all of their contract needs. So they take the average guys, use them in a way that makes them play above averagely, that's good English, and then ultimately win because they're just surprising us with people we didn't even think about. So they kind of made it so that the draft is less important for them. It's all upside at this point. And they're not picking high enough to, like, really take a big swing and a miss because unless you're picking in, like, the top five or you're going to trade up to the top five, we have no idea this season. It's going to be trickier than ever. And, And we don't know many seasons. There's no surefire thing, like, we can pretend that we think that Trevor Lawrence is the best thing ever, but until he starts playing and gets in the system and understands and learns, like who knows, right? Until it happens, it happens. And, if, and there's no such thing as a sure thing. So I think what they've done is really smart. They've minimized all of the downside of the draft and turned it into all upside. And I'm not a Patriots fan. I'm not, not a Patriots fan, but I'm a really big fan of their strategy this offseason. Well,
3: that's good. good to hear for Patriots fans out there. I've got a couple questions left. Uh, for Cynthia Freeland here from the NFL Network before we get you out of here. One, TJ here is a diehard Cowboys fan. Uh, There has to be some analytics around, you know, major injuries and coming back. They just gave him a back, you know, the Cowboys gave him a back-breaking contract, $160 million. What are the analytics around Dak Prescott coming back and being effective for this team? Tell me something good, Cynthia. You know,
4: I didn't know I was going to be able to talk about joints today, but I love it. <laughs> Jack Prescott has one of those bodies. Like, you know, look, um, there's a lot of in- you can You can aggregate injury data, but we all know that, like, if I get injured and if you – I'm, like, five foot six, like, and, and I don't weigh as much as you. So if I get injured and you get injured, we're going to have different recovery rates, opportunities. If someone 300 pounds hits me, that's going to feel different than if they hit you, et cetera. So if you look at what Zach's body is like – he has like the perfect body to come back from an injury really strong. He's got thicker base, meaning he's got like more muscular legs, hips, knees, ankles. And he's really got that like nice, like, he's not, um, he's not as fragile, right? A Teddy Bridgewater has a more fragile base. He has a more fragile, he's built more petite. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying he's petite. It's not a, there's nothing, I'm not using that in the pejorative. He has thinner joints. Dak Prescott has thicker joints. I know because, actually, one of my best analytics people in, like, the entire world works for the Cowboys. And one of the reasons, remember, we all didn't think Dak was going to be this monster getting this contract when he was coming out of college. My guy told me, this guy has the best ankles, hips, and knees we've seen. He's in great shape to be able to, you know, sustain sustain some hits, even though we have a good O-line you know like it's, it's this is a guy who can keep on getting hit and, and is more durable. So that's a really strong indicator for success I'm coming back from injury. It doesn't mean it's perfect, it doesn't mean it's right. It just means he has a higher probability of success than other people because of his build and, you know, that just gives him a better he'll have to do the work and obviously his rehab and we all assume he's going to do that, right? But just his natural god-given god-given body structure gives him an advantage.
3: There you go. Cowboys fan TJ you feel feel good about that?
1: I didn't expect to be talking about Dak's joints today, but hey, I'm, I'm here. Yeah, well, you watch him? You
3: you watch him in the Yeah, you watch him in pregame doing go. that little hip turn. Yeah, that the little thing. Yeah. You know? Well, I yeah. Mean, Cynthia
1: dance, Cynthia's you know? put me at ease a little bit. I will say that. Well,
3: let's go let's go let's go down south a little bit further. Uh New Orleans. Uh you know, does the analytics bear out for Taysom Hill as the guy or uh or maybe a rejuvenated uh James Winston? Where is it where's it looking there? For the Saints quarterback position
4: (laughs) so luckily it's Sean Payton who figures it out do I think like if I were talking about fantasy football do I want to talk I don't want to touch anyone on this team or maybe even like many of their I don't know who how to to navigate this one yet I do think Sean Payton will cook something up that we will all find very interesting probably not necessarily like the one quarterback Teesom Hill situation not necessarily the Jameis Winston situation because we saw we know who Jameis is he's He's shown us he's, he's got pluses and he's got minuses. And what Sean Payton and coaches like Sean Payton can do are create opportunities for those pluses to be accentuated and the minuses to be sort of, you know, cushioned. And it doesn't mean it's perfect. It doesn't mean it's right. I don't know exactly how it's all going to net out there. This could be a, tr- a trickier year to be a Saints fan just in general. But you always knew it would be after Drew Brees. There's always going to be, like, some sort of difference in drop-off. But I think it's going to look – it's going to be interesting and fun to watch. I don't know how effective it'll be in that division when you've got a lot of. I mean, you've got Tom Brady in that division, and you know maybe Carolina will do something interesting. You know, we don't know who Carolina's quarterback's gonna be, so they could come out and surprise us. But I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how it goes. But I think in that division, I think it could be less of a less of a sure thing for the Saints to make the playoffs.
3: Alrighty, Cynthia Freeland from NFL Network uh, Analytics Expert. Tell us a little bit about your new Clubhouse show, how people can view, how people can be a part of it, and uh, talk to us a little bit about it.
4: So every Thursday, 10 a.m. Uh, on the West and 1 p.m. on the East, and basically, like, I'm trying to talk about, like, we'll, we'll talk about football because that's my home, but also talk about all the numbers that you need to know and you can use for the week. So next week we'll get into some masters, and so maybe my friend Ryan Leaf will come on and talk to me about who he likes in golf and, can, and relate it to numbers. We did a bunch of tournament numbers and free agency kind of fallout this past week. Some great different guests from different sports just because I've got all these numbers and they're flying around, and, you know, somebody should make good use of them if I can't.
3: Well, good. I will. Uh, I'll definitely pay attention to that if you're going to get into the master stock. I have talked to uh, Rich Eisen about this. Too. Chris Brockman and I going down as analysts at Augusta every year to be uh, on site. Um, you know, I think assignment. it's a perfect fit. So uh, I appreciate <laughs> I mean, your. I, I appreciate that. Yeah.
4: You know, like we could even we could like i feel like you could set up at a hole and like you could you know interview like some of the people that walk by you could just like ask them random questions because i know that chris brockman's super funny and people like super kind of unexpected things like come out of his mouth so that would be great i'd get, get his
3: i get his better half to give me uh, to write me some roasts oh, yeah. and that's <laughs> what i would fun. do yes. yeah yeah all right everybody cynthia I freeland
4: show with her last year favorite <laughs> favorite uh
3: cynthia freeland everybody from the nfl network thanks again, Sin.
4: Anytime.
3: Take care, Sid. She's great. She, uh, I've had her on my show a couple times, and she just talks circles around everybody when it comes to football. Now, some of us are naturalists. You know, I think I'm speaking Big Levowski terms here. I, I'm a naturalist. I don't know what that means. I'm not huge into the science data analytics side of things. I kind of go with the field. I, I think you're similar that way, aren't you, Brockman? Feel. It's all about gut. It's all about gut, right? Tigers not winning the Masters next week, right? Gut reaction. He's not right? playing. He's okay. not. He's not even thinking he's playing. No. He'll be watching. Uh, we're going to head to commercial in a minute, but if you can give us a call at 844 204 Rich, let's talk everything NFL. Let's talk anything life. Let's just let's have a conversation today. Thanks to Rich Eisen. You're listening to The Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Lee filling in for Rich this week. Uh, Dan he- Dan Helly was in earlier this yep. week. Kirk Morrison. Uh, how's it gone so far, guys? How, you, how are we all doing? TJ Jefferson here, Michael Del Tufo, Chris Brockman. Yeah, it's great been a awesome. great week, man. It's been a great week. Yeah?
2: It's like substitute teacher.
1: You kind, know what I mean? And it's also kind of what you pointed touched on earlier. Like, I tell these guys all the time, it, it's hard to say in the morning that we're going to work yeah we're just yeah i feel like we're going to a building and we sit and we chop it up with our friends yep. for a few
3: hours but I, I i'm hesitant to ever call this work i was up at five thirty this morning boys and i was like laying there in bed going all right i don't i know i don't have to be there for two and a half hours probably um what should i do so i went for a little hike listened to morning? some music, listen to some music wow in the dark uh, Florence and the Machine, for whatever oh. reason, right Ooh. now is just ruminating through okay. me right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ship to wreck, you know. Shake it out. I was. I was. Okay, you. got love me some Florence this morning. Uh, so I saw her in
1: concert in like 2011. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I. Just, no, I mean I, I saw her on at New Year's. It was the New Year's Eve. I got Florence a good New
3: Year's room. Eve story. So we're in Vegas, 1999. I mean, a Vegas New Year's Eve story. Oh, oh, boy. 98 can never go wrong. 98 <laughs> no. to 99, right? So it's. Uh, it wasn't Y2K. It was the year before. And we're in Vegas with the MGM Grand. My little brother's with me. Jeffrey is a 19-year-old at college at San Diego State at the time. So he's loving this. Well, so we're at, I forget what the name of the, the club was at the MGM Grand, but Prince is performing the night, of course. Like, oh. you know, party like it's 1999. Right? <laughs> so that's that was the big thing. Well, the the group uh, from NSYNC shows up. Like NSYNC shows up. My brother goes and hangs with Justin and the whole, the whole crew. And I don't see my brother again. The 19-year-old, the whole night.
0: <laughs> it's, like, thing.
3: it's like 10 in the morning, the next morning, and he comes rolling in, and he looks at me, like dead serious, looks at me and goes, I think I'm in the band. <laughs> <laughs> he has a lot of those stories. He used to frost his tips of his hair. He looked very much like Mark McGrath. And, and, and Oh, my God. I don't know how many Vegas trips when I was in the league that... That he hooked up with women who thought he was Mark McGrath. and He never corrected them. <laughs> never. I'm kind of putting him on blast here. But kind of. <laughs> I mean, this is great. <laughs> I think the beneficiary of my football celebrity brother, been, but was you. my brother. And your dad. Well, apparently my dad, dad too. But he didn't look like anybody. He didn't t- hook up with any other women. But I think Jeff <laughs> no. was really like the beneficiary of Wait, the celebrity. Is that your
2: brother who played at Oregon?
3: Yeah, No. This is the middle one. This is the one that played basketball at San Diego State, and who's, oh, okay. who's, who's, who's an actor. Oh, okay. He lives here in L.A. now. and You have a brother who's an actor? I did not know this. Yeah, he's the middle one. He kind of gets... Uh, What's he been in? Anything we've
1: seen? Pirates of the
3: Caribbean. <laughs> he was, you know, dirty pirate. Okay. Nice. Um, He's been killed every which way you can imagine on all the CSIs. All right. <laughs> he actually, in rehearsal, got his nose broken by Gary Sinise one time in the CSI New York.
1: Wow. wow. CSI
3: Miami got shot right between the eyes. Crusoe did it? Nope. Oh. Um, it was later on. It was the I, I can't remember the the, the kind of the shorter blonde girl who was in the West Wing for a while too. Maria. I, can't, uh-huh. I can't, can't remember her name, but she shot him right in the forehead. Um, <laughs> That's so awesome! He did a movie with William Defoe down in oh, down nice. in Louisiana. Whoa. They they took over Angola prison and like filmed scenes in there. My brother had to do a. Uh, and he does a bunch of comedy stuff too. I mean, he's he's whenever I need to laugh, I just I call him up. He makes me laugh. People, people um, do not believe I'm the funny one in the family because of him. But I tell people all the time that, like, I'm, I'm the funny one in our family. All right, he just he's he does a, it for a living, you know. So that's just a, that's just how he is. But uh, but we had a lot of fun. I mean, he was a young kid, right? I mean, he wasn't even 21 yet, and we were we were running rough shot the Leaf Boys. He was at San Diego State playing basketball. I was a San Diego Charger. Um, wow. Yeah. He, I utilized him too, though. Don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, he had like context from you know. You know, young co-eds at San Diego State that I sure. got to spend some time with.
2: I was going to say, did he go to San Diego State because you were in San Diego? No. Or is that he just, just how it worked he out? He
3: always wanted to go there. Uh, and uh, I, I I was able to kind of grease the skids a little bit when I signed, I guess. Sure. I guess is the is the, the terminology. Um, and then he went and lived in uh, Ocean Beach. Oh. Uh, and Pacific Beach. Amazing. The entirety of his Amazing. time there. Wow. The I mean, what, a, what a great college experience. Yeah. Now there's there's different kind of college experiences, right? You go to San Diego State and you live on the beach and do stuff like or you go to Pullman where I did, Washington State, everybody.
2: <laughs> shout, out, <laughs> shout out shout out Shout yeah. out Shout out Washington My State. My
3: Bane, Washington State, uh masked to keep everybody safe and healthy. Um where it's just a town like small town. Like the town wouldn't exist unless the college, the college there. was there. So right. there's different kind of college experiences. That that was his. And uh, uh you know if you could do it all over again, would you have gone somewhere else? Like who else was in the the
2: recruiting hop for you?
3: So I visited Miami. I told you I've told you that story, right? Where we're like, I'm on a recruiting trip to Miami, and I I get into the the limo that takes us to the Dan Marino's Bar and Grill, and who's sitting in there? Uh, this very large Polynesian guy. His name's Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know
2: if I've heard
1: this. No, we haven't heard this. Come yeah.
3: On. So Dwayne Johnson is is oh. is. We're going to talk about this in the next hour oh, after we have a couple guests. But Wayne this is a good story. Johnson. All right, It's my recruiting trip to Miami. I'm this corn-fed country boy from Montana wearing cutoff jeans and a flannel. <laughs> and I'm in South Beach being recruited by Dennis Erickson and the national champion Miami Hurricanes. So uh, <laughs> this is a bit of a tease. It, it, we need to get into this later. Okay, this, yeah, is, this, is a, this is
2: a story yeah, that we, we need hear to hear.
1: Are you like, going to pop up on an episode of Young Rock? That's yeah. all I want to
3: know. Oh. oh. <laughs> I wonder if – I wonder if Dwayne remembers me. I doubt it. I mean, I didn't know who he was at the time, right? He was just a big backup defensive tackle. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So Absolutely. we're gonna we're gonna get into that in the all second right, hour. Right. But when we come Great. back, <laughs> oh uh, we got Tim Leg <laughs> or who we got? We got James Worthy next, right? Big Game James. James. Big yeah, there. big game. James is next. Uh, you know, got him to come on the show yesterday while playing a little golf. How about that? Yeah, he's a he's a fun one. He's gonna fill us in a lot with what's going on with the Lakers. Four losses since LeBron left, Eighties yeah. absence. Is this a team that continues to fall in the rankings? And where do, you know, because right now everybody's talking about, I heard Kirk Morrison yesterday talking about how he believes, you know, it's the Nets and the Lakers, right? Yeah. Well, the Lakers are, are an afterthought right now in my mind. I mean, it, it would be great to see that, but right now they're an afterthought. So I'm going to ask big game James about that when we come back. Also, Tim Legler in, in hour two, and then in hour, the, hour three, Kevin Connolly from Entourage fame. You're listening to the Rich Eisen Show. I'm Ryan Leaf. We'll be right back.